I'm here today with Ben Clift, Senior Lecturer in International Political Economy at Warwick's Department of Politics and International Studies. Ben's an expert particularly looking at uh, French politics. Ben, the political scene in France has um, taken a hammering in the last sort of uh, six to nine months with the events and the riots, the, the protests at changes to employment law. Um, what's going on? Well, it's certainly true there is something of a, a tumult within French politics and French political life. I suspect we can trace it back to a little further than nine months to the no vote on the constitution nearly a year ago now and that did spark a number of kind of aftershocks within French political culture um, which are feeding through into how the two major political parties are preparing for the key date in the French political calendar which is the presidential elections taking place this time next year so most of what's happening within the elite in French politics needs to be understood against that time frame and against that calendar and there's a number of manoeuvrings on both left and right of the key players who wish to position themselves in the best possible situation vis-a-vis that presidential contest next year. Within society there are a number of other concerns, um, some to do with the kind of the state of the French economy, the state of the French social model in relation to the pressures of globalisation, European integration and so forth. Mm. And it's that which I think helps explain the no vote of last year vis-à-vis the EU constitutional treaty. And then elsewhere within society there are there's kind of evidence of fracture, if you like, within French society, as demonstrated firstly and most graphically with the riots in the banlieue of Paris over a number of weeks last autumn and then more recently in with the smaller scale riots in relation to the contrat de première embauche the attempts by the now hamstrung de Villepin government to reform labor law as a bid to try and begin to address the problem of youth unemployment, particularly long-term youth unemployment, which is a very serious scar, if you like, on French society and to which there appears to be no um, no solution. You mentioned there uh, de Villepin um, and the, the employment law was very, sort of, was very firmly associated with, with him. Um, the riots uh, in November were very much associated with the Interior Minister Sarkozy. How much of this is individuals creating being out of touch with the the French people? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly fair to say that the French political elite is um, somewhat disconnected from um, what's going on on the ground, if you like, within French society, within French life. Um, I'd say that's not necessarily more true in France than a number of other European cities or, mm. or uh, countries around the world. But both de Villepin and Sarkozy are engaged in a a series of political manoeuvres um, which have as their primary aim to to prepare the territory for their presidential bids next year. So everything they're doing needs to be understood in that light, needs to be understood in the context of them opposing each other and, yeah. and trying to kind of manoeuvre the chess pieces around so that their attack succeeds. Yeah, but when we look back at the previous election, 
mm. in the presidential election in France. We had a, a, a showdown between, um, as it was described, the crook and the fascist. Yes. Um, with the, the uh, Chirac and Le Pen. Mm. Um, is that, a, is that a scenario that's likely to be repeated again? I mean, we have uh, the left was in absolute disarray at the time. There was a certain sense that it was the worst of two evils. Mm, um, the lesser of two the lesser evils. Of, sorry, yeah, the lesser yeah. of two evils. Is that where we're going to be again? Well, probably not, although you can never rule that out. It comes down to how political parties work in France and the nature of political parties in France and their relationship to these key electoral contests, both parliamentary and, more importantly, presidential. So that political parties in France are much less tightly organised and disciplined than is the case in Britain. Um, They contain a number of powerful individuals, but they have always struggled to effectively constrain the actions of those individuals. So the individuals kind of use parties as and when they are useful to them, but they don't feel bound by party Mm. to um, constrain other actions, even if it goes against the party interest. And that helps explain, I think, why we had quite so many candidates on the left during the last presidential election and that fracture of the vote on the left right across anything up to eight or nine candidates who could have been conceived as on the left um, was the root cause of the very poor showing of Jospin in the first round and that is what allowed Le Pen into the second round through the back door. Now this time around I think on the left of politics I think to some extent the the fingers have been burnt and they're going to do their utmost not to let that happen again. Although we still have the problem that because parties are quite weak and party discipline is not very well inculcated amongst the French political elite, there's a sense in which they want to avoid a kind of fracture and everyone standing and stealing each other's votes, as it were. But whether they can actually achieve that end is uncertain. On the right, I think things are a little more clear-cut now. Effectively, de Villepin has undermined his own credibility by setting so much political capital by the CPE, the Reform of Employment Law, mm. which was very much his kind of bid to establish his credibility as a as a national political leader. His uh, administration hadn't scored any major successes in terms of ref- a reform agenda in the past. This was going to be the way he made his mark. He would transform the French social model in certain ways he would help solve the unemployment problem unemployment being probably the most important political issue on the domestic scene and that would have kind of set his stall out if you like for a credible presidential bid. The fact that the reform was shot down in flames and collapsed around him and that he was completely unable to deliver on that reform seriously undermined him and now just in the last couple of weeks um, a uh, the scandal that's emerged which implicates him in attempting to dig dirt on his opponent to be Sarkozy and which portrays him in a very poor light suggests there's a certain amount of dissembling gone on and at the very least some sort of some sharp dealing and some slightly dodgy practice we're not sure to what extent it shades into illegality but <laughs> nevertheless he is embroiled in a scandal over and above the the kind of political hit he took from the, the failure of the reform of employment law so effectively i think he's pretty much finished as a credible candidate so things are becoming a bit clearer on the right i think because sarkozy the presidential candidacy is his to lose effectively there's no other credible 
candidate from the right. The only other extremely unlikely scenario would be that Chirac runs again, but surely he's too old for that. But doesn't Sarkozy introduce an additional problem here in the whole relationship with um, uh, France's immigrant population and and the extent to which they feel part of the French people? Um, Sarkozy was very much at the heart of the the problems that hit um, Paris in November. Um, you said that kind of unemployment is a massive issue. Isn't immigration a kind of the big undealt with problem in France at the moment? It is. It is an important and consistent and perennial issue for French politics and for the French political elite. And there's always been a section of the right, including the mainstream right in France, that's prepared to talk in fairly kind of belligerent nationalistic terms at certain points in time, as was the case of Sarkozy's response to the riots back in November. So he does kind of try and tap into a, maybe xenophobic is too strong a word, but certainly a kind of a, a nationalist response to the immigration issue. Now, there's obviously a much more extreme voice within French politics, which offers a much more strident and extreme and xenophobic line in response to that from the the Front National, and that's kind of very much deemed beyond the pale for mainstream politics. So Sarkozy would need to handle himself carefully because any association between the kind of ideas on immigration he's espousing and those of the far right will will cause will damage his political credibility and will mm-hmm. cause him to lose votes. But it is fair to say that, that immigration is an issue that does cause significant political tensions and it's one that the political elite of both left and right in France are kind of unwilling to deal with head-on and seek to avoid tackling head-on. That will probably be reflected in a relative silence of both sides on the immigration issue in the run-up to the next presidential election, I would have thought. Another factor that was quite obvious in the, in the protests in uh, around the employment law and the uh, the riots in November was the importance that um, there was a very vocal youth Ooh. movement, um, and yet many of the sort of names that we've been talking about are very much part of a kind of older establishment within France. Yeah. Um, is the political agenda in France now being set by younger people? Um, and if that's the case, where are the the up and coming politicians who are going to be able to, who are going to be able to lead that? Protest, be it amongst youth or older members of society, is a very powerful instinct and a very kind of celebrated dimension of political activity in France. So there's this great long tradition rooted in the French Republican tradition of people taking to the streets in opposition to a law, a government, a president, whatever it might be. And this is kind of celebrated and accepted and it's kind of part of French political culture. But it is true that the most recent versions of that taking to the streets in protest have been predominantly by younger people and young people and the disconnection if you like between that youth movement that political expression by the young and the nature and age profile of the French political elite is quite arresting and is quite startling the the political elite in France has an extreme longevity probably longer than any other that I can think of I mean, Chirac was first a minister in the mid to late 60s, so he's held the high high and highest office for, you know, nearly 40 years. And if you look at the age profile of even Sarkozy, who's seen as the kind of the new kid on the block, you know, he's, 
I don't know his exact age, but he's he's not younger than 40 and he's probably older than 50. De Villepin would be another one. And on the left, people like Hollande, Strauss-Kahn, Ségolène Royal, all of them are not spring chickens. So it is true that the, the French... There are exceptions to the rule, but the French political elite, by and large... Um, has a great longevity and gets to senior gets to high office relatively late in life. There is this other problem that um, political scientist Andrew Knapp talks about of the difficulty that the French political elite has in clearing its dead away from the battlefield, so that when people are disband, dispatched at and hideously defeated in elections, they don't disappear. They stick around and come back and fight again. And you've got these great survivors like Chirac, who you know keeps coming back and coming back. So I think that does create, a, and the ability for, of them to do that and the opportunities for them to do that means that it's very difficult for a renewing of the political elite. So there are young, bright, up-and-coming um, political talents. I think on the left are people like Arnold Montberg, who's who's a kind of not part of the, the PS establishment. He's something new and something slightly fresher can't think off the top of my head of all that many on the right but there is some some new talent bubbling under however i doubt that that new talent will play a key role anytime soon so that disconnection between the youth on the one hand and a rather mm. middle-aged political elite will will endure the one thing that perhaps might change things a bit and would be a kind of seismic shift in french politics would be if Ségolène royal the um, french socialist female potential candidate for president does become the candidate of the left and even if she was to succeed this would be a, a kind of genuine transformation mm. of a french political elite that that is is fairly conservative with a small c and doesn't change very often yeah. let's let's talk about chirac a little bit because i mean he's obviously um taking the lead he's in the leadership role mm. during quite a, a tumultuous period i mean he when he when he came into this term as president i mean he made statements about wanting to unite the nation uh to resolve the the social inequalities and uh the social unfairness in france he's categorically failed to do that hasn't he he has he has i think that that's unambiguously true it is said of chirac by those not particularly fond of him that he's the kind of politician who gives opportunism a bad name in that he kind of says what he needs to say at the moment he needs to say it and he has this great um political sense of kind of taking the temperature of the nation and, and coming across in the right, right way at the right time tremendously successful at that and on on the in terms of winning elections um that stood him in great stead particularly back in 95 when he came in with this notion of healing the social fracture the difficulty he had at that time was that the money he wanted to spend on healing the social fracture was not really available given the state of the economy and the transition into the euro that was about to happen. And he kind of knew that all along and was kind of speaking with forked tongue to some extent in that he's saying the right things to get himself elected. Knew he couldn't quite deliver on it in the way that he might want to because he was constrained by these other issues. So Chirac's um, credibility has always suffered as a result of that. He's never quite built up the sort of trust with the French people again that he lost at that time called a snap election two years later and it all failed and he let the left in so he's he's had a number of um, political difficulties and his credibility and kind of political stature and political capital has has been undermined ever since then he re remained in office 
in the fairly extraordinary circumstances we've already talked about of 2002, which wasn't exactly a vote for Chirac. It was just that he's less bad than Le Pen, and, you know, who isn't less bad than Le Pen? <laughs> so it wasn't a massive vote of confidence in him. And the the real problem he has now is that problem which, well, you could say a fan de Rennes, um, Tony Blair has, of his time is coming. He mm. will... There will be a presidential election this time next year. He's very much a lame duck president. It's not constitutionally impossible for him to stand again, but it's almost inconceivable that he would. And therefore, he has a real difficulty in that the political authority that a president has and, and that his party owes him is quite closely related to the kind of what he can do for them, in one sense. And so for the longer he has in front of him as president, the more favours he can bestow upon party elites. He can give them top jobs and so on and so forth. Mm. What everyone is thinking about within the within his party now, the UMP, is who's going to be the next president and how can I align myself vis-a-vis that new political configuration that's coming up. So on one level, people aren't that interested in Chirac's opinion about anything much within his party because he's undermined his own political credibility and because a change is going to come, he's reaching the end of his reign. And then the real difficulty he has on the more immediate level is that he's kind of opposed to Sarkozy as a future president and he wants to do what he can to impede his succession so he put all his chips if you like with um he he bet on de Villepin as a viable credible alternative to Sarkozy and the man that he would back and sort of champion as a presidential candidate that seems to have failed because of both the the employment law riots and the 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 reverse on that law and then also more recently because of this scandal, the scandal whereby um, it appears that de Villepin was using, when in ministerial office, was using his researchers and officials to try and dig dirt on Sarkozy in the context of a, a very shady mm. uh, set of dealings in relation to selling some frigates to Taiwan fully 15 years ago. The real problem that Chirac has in relation to those shady dealings is that if, as Sarkozy is saying, let's just find out what really happened, let's dig up the truth, I'm innocent, I want to know what really happened, where did the money really go, who received these kind of bungs, if you like, that were going around. The suspicion is that should that emerge, then somewhere along the line, Chirac is going to be implicated as maybe a recipient, or certainly someone who was aware of who was getting what. So he has a real difficulty in this specific context of this scandal. I mean, scandal is something that's followed him around for a long time. Um, in relation to his role in some dubious financing that went on through the the Paris Town Hall when he was mayor. And it emerges that he probably knew a certain amount about where the dubious money that his party was getting was coming from and so on and so forth. Nothing's been proved and he's he's immune because he's president. Interesting to see what happens when he's no longer president, whether some of those um, investigations go further. So he's hamstrung on a number of levels. His personal integrity if you like political integrity was undermined when he made these promises that he never delivered on 10 years ago there's always been this kind of whiff of scandal or that he's aware of certain scandals within his party and that's getting worse at the minute not better because of the current situation and then the broader problem is is this lame duck status Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's no longer really in control of the mainstream right and the party is organized around having a clear leader as president and it's the the party that supports the president it's a presidential party Mm -hmm. once who that president will next be and who's the kind of top dog is uncertain as is the case now then the party kind of ceases to function as a hierarchical organization and it 
it's um, kind of racked by infighting. A lot of what we've been talking about, you could you could almost sum up as the sort of Westminster tittle tattle in the UK, um, mm. the similar sort of thing, the Parisian, yes. the, the kind of Parisian political scene. And um, to what extent is a lot of this reflective across the whole of France? Um, and is there a similar kind of disengagement with the the mainstream political process in France that many commentators reflect on in the UK? I suspect there probably is. I mean, it might take a slightly different form in France um, in that local politics matters. I, my sense is local, local politics matters more and to more people in France than is true in Britain. And it's partly to do with how local politics is organised, the degree of power afforded mm. to mayors in small towns and so on and so forth. And the fact that it is seen as significant and prestigious office. And, and many people at the same time as even being prime minister will hold a mayoral office. Mm. And so you have a national and a local political identity, political reality. So politics at the local level is um, a bit more vibrant, I think, and a bit more participated in than might be the case in Britain. I'm, that's my sense anyway. Mm. Um, but I do suspect that there is, in France as elsewhere, a general sense of kind of disconnection, of a kind of gap between the political elite on the one hand and what they're saying, what, they're, what they care about, if you like, and the masses, if you like, the populace at large, the electorate, which doesn't necessarily share the same preoccupations, doesn't see its interests being necessarily directly represented by any one of the major political parties. Mm. And that's reinforced in France by this um, pendulum swing, this kind of automatic mechanism by which every single incumbent government has been voted out since 1981, perhaps even since 1978, so that the elite are routinely beaten at the election, kicked into touch, so bring the other lot in, you failed, and then four years later they kick that line to say, no, you failed, now bring the other lot back in. But it's the same lot in each case. They alternate, but it's the same people talking in the same terms, promising similar things. And also the fact that it keeps going backwards and forwards, which is to do with the dynamics of the party system and the, and the constitution, means that they don't feel they, the real need to change dramatically because they know their turn will come again. So that they, mm. they just hang around, some more elections will come along, the French um, electorate will probably kick out the government because that's what they normally do, and that will play into their hands as the opposition. <laughs> And so I think there's a kind of they take a sense of sort of comfort from that and don't feel the need to examine this real problem which you've identified of a, a disconnection, if you like, between the, the the will of the electorate, the interest of the electorate, and what the political elite are talking about and planning to do. Mm. Ben, thank you very much. Thank you.